going to happen, do you? I mean, I'm talking about the screen going out. Y'all looking like, what's going on? Screen quit, so have to improvise. But uh, it's good to be here tonight. It's good to see y'all here. Good to see our visitors here. Remember to pray for the prayer request or mention men's and women's prayer class. And um, on the back table back there, I've asked a while back uh, that we would, uh, about a directory coming up next year, if... Um, take pictures of people. I found an old director in my office. I think, I think it's really neat to have people's pictures beside their name and that. Um, and so on the back table back there, there's a October and November calendar. There's some days that are highlighted. On those days that are highlighted, if you could put your name there, kind of scheduling when you're willing to have your picture taken, and then uh, we can have your picture taken those days. Most of them are Sundays. There's uh, a couple Friday and Saturdays, okay, um, on there, or one Friday and one Saturday. But if you could check that out and kind of schedule that, we could get that done and then get our, our directory made up for next year and that kind of thing. So I meant to mention that this morning. I meant to tell James to add that to the announcements, and I forgot, and then I forgot to say something about it this morning. So now I'm saying something. So we'll see if I, I got to put my name back there too. I got to schedule that too. Okay, so we've been going through the Ten Commandments on Sunday evenings. Uh, we're down to the Tenth Commandment. Um, so if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. And as I've been saying... And this is not according to the message here at all, but um, just be watching the weather and be preparing and knowing what to wear and how much to wear. And if you need to bring a jacket, this morning I came in here and it was 62, I think, in here. So I fired the heat up a little bit. I already turned it off because it was getting warm. Um, so, but you never know what it's going to be because right now, I mean... So just always watch the weather and come prepared. So, okay, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it says here, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So thou shalt not covet. What I want to do this, this afternoon or this evening is kind of look at this word covet just a little bit and, and some things here. Just think about this. This covet, what do you think about? Thou shalt not covet. Desire, right? You shouldn't want that. You, you shouldn't look at someone else's things and wish you had them, right? You shouldn't desire those things. Um, look in Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 8 and 9. When I think of covet and I think of having the wrong desires, I think of this man, Augura, here who prayed this. Augura, I think, A-G-U-R, I think that's how you pronounce it. But uh, verse 8 and 9 of Proverbs chapter 30. 
He says, remove from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Just don't, don't, don't make me rich and don't make me poor. Give me what I need. And he says, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. And you think, I think about this because this man is praying, Lord, just take care of me. Just take care of me. But when we covet and we desire something that someone else has, what are we doing? We're not wanting what the Lord's given us. We're having a desire for something else. We're saying that what he's given to us is not satisfying enough to us. So we don't need to covet in that. Um, Look in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Here Christ is teaching his disciples how to pray. They ask him, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples how to pray. And so the Lord taught his disciples how to pray here in Luke chapter 11. He didn't tell them what to pray. But this is an example of how to pray. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, Now, pay attention to the prayer, to what he says and in the order of things. When ye pray... Say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice here that we are to pray first acknowledging who God is, who we're praying to. Acknowledge that first and foremost. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In reverence, we we, we understand who we're praying to. And he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. And I mentioned the other day that it's been on my mind to pray that the Lord's will be done in my life. The Lord's will be done in our church. That should be our number one desire is that the Lord's will be done. And notice we pray. He says here to pray for the Lord's will to be done before we seek our daily needs. Because do we not need first and foremost the Lord's will to be done in our life? That ought to be the first thing. That ought to be the most desire that we have. And then in verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. How many of you, well, I don't, I don't even do this. I don't go shopping if I don't have to because I don't like shopping. I don't like it. Trish does all the shopping. But you know, she doesn't go to town every day. She goes to town once or maybe twice a week and buys our groceries. That's it. But how often do we go to town? And what I'm looking at here, asking the Lord to provide our day-by-day needs. That's what, we're, that's what we're to do. We're to trust the Lord every day for our needs. We go shopping 
once, a, once, once or twice a week for our provisions. And I, I, I read this, thou shalt not covet. I keep thinking about when the, when the disciples, when, excuse me, when the Israelites are getting these Ten Commandments. Where are they? Do you remember where they are? They're uh, Mount Zion, right? I think that's right. Uh, no, they're not. Now I'm going to get myself all messed up here. But they're at the base of a mountain. Uh, Moses has come down off the mountain, and they're hearing God give these commandments to them. But they are working on going into the land of Canaan. They're, they're going to go there. And then in Numbers, you hear that you see that they don't go in, and they travel around for a while, 40 years. But you, you think about this. They are, they're not close to a store. And the Lord says, don't covet. Be content with what I'm giving you. Be okay with what I've provided for you. Don't desire more. I, I saw this sign, and I had it printed off of my office. A ship doesn't sink because of the water that is outside of it. It sinks because of the water that gets inside of it. And you think about our lives. We don't sink in our lives because of the world that is outside of us. Our church, our church, 12 Ryan Baptist Church, can stand. And Lord willing, will stand. But it's not going to stand because of the world. It's going to stand because of the Lord that's in us, that's in here, with us. But what is going to hurt our church? What's going to cause our church to begin to sink as we bring the world in? That's going to cause our church to begin to sink. And we always have to be on guard for that. Just like in our own lives. We have to be on guard for us letting the world in because that's what sinks the ship when the water gets in. What's going to sink our lives is when we let the world in our lives. In our families, the same thing. I thought that sign... I, I like that sign. But what, what does it mean to covet? Look very quickly at some different ways that we can covet. When our thoughts are more about the things of this world than about the things of the Lord. Have you ever noticed that in our lives sometimes that our thoughts day to day can be about more things in this world than about the Lord? They can be sometimes. Especially when we're busy and we're going about. Look in Colossians chapter 3. How should our thoughts be? Our thoughts should be on the things of the Lord, right? Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. That's where our affection should be. But we begin to covet we can begin to covet when our thoughts are more about the things of this world than our thoughts are on about the Lord. Look in Psalms 139. Psalms 139, verses 17 and 18. Psalms 139, verse 17 and 18. It says here, How precious... Also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. My great, how great is the sum of them. The adding them all together, his thoughts towards us. Then it says in verse 18, if I should count them, 
They are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. You, you think about that. Our thoughts should always be towards the Lord. When, when, when we're asleep, when we're awake, when, when, whatever we're doing. Because his thoughts towards us are unnumerable. Our thoughts toward him, we should always be thinking about him. But we begin to covet when we begin to think more about the world than we think about the Lord. When we work harder at getting the things of this world than we do at understanding the things of the Lord. You know, it, it is when, when I started plumbing, I went from restaurant manager to plumbing. A vast change in career, if you will. I didn't know anything about plumbing. I knew nothing about plumbing. And so I went to work as a plumber. I started on the very bottom, uh, working my way up. I was the one digging ditches and drilling the holes. That's what I did. Um, I learned a lot about that. And, and you would read the book, read the, the, the code book. You would read all these things and learn how to do this and practice with it and all of this. And it was fun. It was enjoyable. I, I, I like learning. I'm more hands-on learning kind of guy. I need to put the same amount of effort when we're learning something new into learning about the Word of God, growing in Him. Um, it's a lot more interesting read, reading the Word of God, than reading the code book. I'll guarantee you that. If you don't if you don't think so, I got a code book. I got a couple of them at the house. I'll bring them and you can take them home and just read them all night long. You'll go to sleep. But this is a lot more interesting. But sometimes we put more desire in learning about things of the world than we do in learning more about the Word of God. And so we begin to covet when we take our minds off the Word of God. And you'll notice that all of these things that I'm mentioning here have something in common. It's being more in the world than being in God's word. Um, in Matthew 16, 26, well, let's turn to Luke 9, 25 instead. Luke chapter 9, verse 25. Matthew 16 is where we always go a lot of times, people. Um, so I'm going to go to Luke 9. Just to do something different, I suppose. Luke 9, 25. Um, we're going to start in verse 23. Uh, let's see. And he said unto them, If any man shall come after me, in verse 23, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will, serve, will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste the death until they see the kingdom of God. That verse 25, what are you going to gain? What is, a man, what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? And verse, uh, Matthew 16, 26 says, what does a man gain if he lose, gains the whole world and loses his own soul? 
Look, the things of this world, we don't need them. This is not what we need. What we need is the Lord. We need the Word of God. We begin to covet when we take our thoughts off the Word of God, and we work harder to gain those things of this world. When all of our talk is about the things of this world, we begin to covet those things in this world. Um, when we love the things of this world more than the things of the Lord. Be careful. Look in Matthew 19, the rich young ruler who came to Christ and asked him what good thing, Matthew 19 and verse 16 says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what, sh what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. That, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But the young man went away saying, But the young man, when, excuse me, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You think about that. He loved this world more than he loved the Lord. He coveted more of this world than he loved the Lord. Um, look in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke 12 and verse 15. The Lord tells them, Christ tells them here... Um, Starting verse 13, it says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said with him, Man, who made me a judge and a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. We're more. Than the things, and the Lord says to be to be aware of covetousness in our life. Beware of that. Watch out for covetousness. The command we're looking at tonight is, "Thou shalt not covet." And then there's a list of things that we're not to covet. But beware of covetousness in our hearts, because it gets there, and it gets there very easy. First um, Timothy chapter six and verse ten says, "A love of money is the root of all evil." Think about that. It's not money. Money didn't do anything wrong. We all have money. We all need money. Some people have a lot of money. Some people have a little bit of money. But it's not the money that's wrong. It's the love of money, the desire of money. That is the root of all evil. Um, what are some ways that we can not be covetous? How, how, how do we... Fight being covetous. How do we make sure we won't fall into that trap? Well, the first thing I thought of is trust the Lord. Just simply trust the Lord. 
trust him to provide, trust him to give, trust him to take care of things. Look in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. 1 John 5 and verse 4. Yeah, first Yeah, first John five and verse four. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith that God has given to us, and He's given to us the faith that we can believe. Have faith in the Lord to provide our daily needs. Have faith that what the Lord's given to us is what we need. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Look, we can't please the Lord without faith. We cannot. We have to trust him. But when we stop trusting him and start trusting in our things, then we'll begin to look around. And see things, see people that have better things, bigger things, faster things, prettier things. And now all of a sudden we're not content with what the Lord's given us. Trust the Lord. And you think about this. In in trying to ward off covetousness in our heart, we need to have a proper understanding of what the things of this world are really worth. We do. We need to understand that. You know, whenever I was younger, um, I remember when I was in public school and we got to where we could use calculators, okay? That was an awesome time in in any math when you could use a calculator. Uh, We had to take that test and understand how the calculator worked and all that kind of good stuff. Then we got approved to use them. And instead of using the calculator on our homework, schoolwork, we would sit there, some of us guys, we would sit there and, and play this game of, when I grow up, I'm going to make X amount of dollars an hour. Let's figure what that is. You know, figure how much you'd make a week, how much you'd make a year. Wow, that's awesome. You know, and just, I don't know, silly stuff instead of doing our schoolwork. But you look at all that, and I, I'm thinking about all of this. And then when I, when I actually got a job, uh, you don't make near as much as you think you're going to make. My first job, I was paid $2.20-something cents an hour. That was my first job. And I, I mean, it was not too bad. I remember talking to my grandpa, and he's like, man, that's pretty good. I'm like, grandpa, that's not that good. And he's like, it's better than my first job. Of course, his first job, he was paid a few cents a day. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But you begin to see how that the money is a lot harder to get than it is to keep, right? So, and the, the, the things of this world, they just cost so much. But it's not, I'm not talking about the monetary value of the things of this world. What are they really worth? What are they worth? What are all these cars worth? What, what is our houses worth? What is all these things we spend money on? What are they worth? You know, we ask the question, in, like in Matthew 16, 26, and Luke 9, 25, what do you gain? If you gain this whole world, what have you actually gained? Nothing. 
You've gained absolutely nothing. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we want to start reading in verse, we're just going to read verse 9 and 10. But Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. It says, Moreover, the profit of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. You can find a lot of things in here that talk about vanity, emptiness. And that verse 10 says, He that loveth silver shall, be, shall not be satisfied with silver. What does he mean there? If you love silver, you would get silver and love silver. What he means there is you're not going to have enough. You love the things of this world. No matter how much you have, it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be satisfied. So what is it worth? What is it worth? And how many of you have heard this or thought this in your life? Wouldn't it be something that, okay, if you're going to buy something, Okay, you're going to buy a car, you're going to buy a house, even go to the store to buy groceries. Almost everybody here, there's something that is determinant how much you can buy, right? It's your bank account, right? It's determinant how much you can buy. Have you ever had the thought, what if we had so much money that money was not an object? Now, you, you, you've heard that before with people, right? Um, in, in, in construction and being a plumber and building houses, the houses that we built, um, for a little while, I did what they call bungalow busting. That's what we called it. Um, same house over and over and over again. Um, two or three bedroom, small, 1,100 square foot. That's what we did, 1,400 square foot. Well, then I got into custom homes, custom houses, um, some of those, 16,000 square foot, 21,000 square foot. I mean, and some of those, you would, the homeowners would be standing there, and they'd say, well, this is what we want. And I, that's going to be expensive. I'm not worried about it. That's what I want. Can you imagine? Money is no object. Money doesn't matter. I was, I've been told that a few times, and I don't care what it costs. Money's not an object. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I'm getting. Okay. Sounds good. I can do it. I've never been that way. Uh, money's always been an object, if you will. It sets my limits to what I can buy, what I can't buy. But in that, I have to make sure that I'm not wanting to get more than I can afford. Right? I have to be content with what the Lord's given me. Turn, if you will, turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Solomon, here in this chapter, he uses the word I 20 times. And I want you to listen what all Solomon does in this and what he determines after he's all done and he's done all of this. 
Verse 1 says, I said in mine heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. And behold, also this is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainted mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven, uh, under the heaven all the days of their life. I made, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water wherewith therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men and as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. So you look at this, all through verses 1 through 10, money was no object. Whatever his heart desired, he got. Think about that. So, wow. I mean, he would have to be the happiest man alive, right, according to the world. He's got it all. Nothing, no one said no to him. Think about it. He, he could give anything and do anything he wanted. What would you do if you could do anything you wanted? Now, and th- I've also heard this said of people in church. Man, you know what? If I could just make that amount of money... Man, it would be awesome to just make that amount. I really wish I could make, like, talking about, and at the time we were talking about baseball players because um, they make millions of dollars. Professional baseball players, millions of dollars a year. Man, we could make that kind of money. Then the guy paused and he says, well, I, I would tithe on that, of course. Okay, yeah, that's the reason you want the money? No, that was an afterthought. You know, you're coveting. Those things. The Lord didn't give that to you. you know, we need to be content, but what we're looking at, what is all this stuff in this world worth? Solomon had everything he wanted, everything he desired. And verse 11 says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. All these things that we covet after. Solomon had them. He had everything your eyes could want. Everything your heart could desire. And he said it's vanity. It's emptiness. 
And that vexation of spirit is a grasping after the wind. It's grasping after nothing. It doesn't help you at all. It doesn't profit you at all. It's emptiness. And you can read through this book of Ecclesiastes. And he says over and over again, look, you can have all the stuff. I'm paraphrasing this. You can have all the stuff in this world. You can have everything. Your hearts desire all of this stuff. But you know what? Nothing changes. You're still going to grow old and die. It doesn't profit. You doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything for your eternity. What is, this, what is the things in this world really worth that we would covet after? It's not worth anything. It's not worth anything at all. He says, and there is no profit under the sun. All the things of this world, all, and he had everything that you could imagine. And it made him no better. Didn't help him at all. So what is the things in this, stuff, in this world worth? I read this statement. I believe it's true. Let me see. Um, the things of this world can no more ease a troubled spirit than a gold cap can cure the headache. I thought that was neat. You can put a gold cap on, but you still have a headache. Probably a bigger one because it's probably a pretty heavy cap. But the things of this world, they don't make people happy. You, think, you, you would think people that have all the money should be happy. But a lot of times they're the most miserable people around. I mean, you want to you know what happiness really is? Look, look at the word blessed up in the Bible. Follow that word blessed in the Bible, happy. What, what is happiness? Where does it come from? It comes from following the Lord, seeking Him, giving yourself over to the Lord and not to the things of this world. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Romans 8 verse 18. It tells us here that the things of this world are not to be compared. Solomon had everything. That's why I read that there in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He had everything. But here... Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We go through things here on this earth, and we go through those difficult times, those troubling times, and Paul says, look, the glory that we have awaiting us is not to be compared because it won't even compare to what we face here on this earth. The things of this world... How do we combat covetousness in our lives? We need to desire the things of the Lord more than the things of this world. That's what we need. We need to have that desire. Look in Genesis chapter 5. Yeah, Genesis chapter 5. And verse... 21, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21 says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God. Think about his desire. Think about Enoch's 
He walked with God. That doesn't just mean that he walked side by side down a path with God. That's not just what that means. That, what it means there is that his desire, his focus, his direction in life was with God. Think about it. He walked with God. When, when, when we covet, when we break any of these Ten Commandments, are we walking with God? Can you say that you walk with God? Can you say that you are in line with what God wants for you? This phrase, walk with God, is mentioned three times in the Bible. Two, I read two of them already. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. He had a, they had a desire to serve the Lord, to follow him. They loved the Lord. They walk with God. Matthew 6 and verse 19 here tells us to lay up treasures in heaven and not on this earth. Why? Why should we not lay up treasures here on earth? Because moth and rust, rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Verse 20 says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your heart? Where's your treasures? We need to be careful about covetousness. There's all kinds of things in this world. And, you know, it doesn't seem covetousness is one of those things that nobody sees when you break it. Nobody sees when you break it but God because it's of the heart it's of the desires of the heart turn back to Exodus chapter 30 Exodus Exodus 20 sorry Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17 there's a list here he says here this commandment thou shalt not covet and we just stopped there and looked at that covet and what that means and how do we keep from coveting but thou shalt not covet desire thy neighbor's house thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant nor his maidservant nor his ox nor his ass and you may think well okay there's a long list here so as long as i desire something that's not on that list well then he adds nor anything that is thy neighbor's he opens it up and says nothing your neighbor has should you desire to have doesn't say it's wrong to have if you If you have it, but if the Lord gives it to you, great. But don't go out desiring for those things. What he's telling us here in this is what I mentioned first. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. Don't don't put your heart's desire in the things of this world. Trust me. Follow me. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. You know this scripture, right? He says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When we covet, are we trusting the Lord for what we have? We're not. When we covet things, when we desire to have things we don't have. And we, we all, there's nothing wrong with 
there's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. Is there? There's nothing wrong with that at all. See, we, if we're not careful, I know a guy one time that he would never wash, wash his vehicle. Never washed it. Never cleaned it out. Thing was nasty inside and out. It was nasty. You know why he didn't? I don't want to covet it. If I wash it, then I'm coveting it. Like that seems kind of wrong to me. I mean, you're also not taking care of what God's given you either. There's a fine line in here, right? I mean, we take care of what God's given to us, right? Why? Why should you take care of your house that God's given you? Why should you take care of the cars he's given you? Why should you? Well, because he's given them to us, we want them to last as long as they possibly can, right? Whenever Trish and I first got married and we were younger, every couple years we were trading cars and getting another one. We finally figured out that that's kind of a dumb thing to do. You don't save money, you lose money. And the cars you get, they may be better, but so does that bill. That bill gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we figured out that, you know what, if you buy a nice car and drive it till the wheels fall off and you put money back, you can afford a better car when it comes time. And you, you take care of what the Lord's given you. That's not coveting. That's thanking the Lord for what he's given you and using what he's given to you for as long as you possibly can. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in request of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. We need to be content with what God's given to us. When we covet, when we desire to have something, that somebody else has. And that's what he's saying here in, in this commandment. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, not a house, neighbor's house. I shall not covet thy neighbor's wife or his manservant, maidservant, ox, ass, or anything else that they own. When we covet that, we're not, we're not content with what the Lord's given to us. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. We need to work, provide for our family, do the job the Lord's given to you, be thankful for that job. Look in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22. But as we're doing that, we're providing for our family, we're working and doing what he says for us to do, but we're trusting the Lord in all of that, that he will continue. We tithe. We tie, we give the Lord the, the, a tenth and then an offering on top of that of whatever he's increased us. We ought to do that, but we do that trusting the Lord to use that 90 or 85, whatever, 80% and make it go farther than we could make 100% go. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters. Oh, excuse me. Hmm. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. When you're at work, you're to obey your boss, but in the Lord. 
You're, you're there working because God's given you that job. He's given you the ability to do that job. David talks about it's, it's God that, give, that taught his arm how to war, taught his hands how to use a sword. Look, were you, when you're at work, the Lord gave you that ability to do whatever you're doing. He, he's given that to you. So you serve the Lord in that. Verse 23, he says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord, that, that, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. This being covetous, we don't see that in people. That's of the heart. It shows up eventually. It will. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows. And in this, we work. We provide for our families. We take care of all of that. But we don't covet. We don't need to covet. We beware of that. As Christ told uh, disciples to beware of covetousness. Beware of that, to watch out for it, because it tell you, it gets in your lives, and it can hurt you. It can hurt your family. I've known guys that they would buy things, something nice. I'm thinking of a guy that bought a really nice boat. He was so excited. He talked about buying this boat for weeks, months. He talked about this. He was, we were all glad he bought it, so hoping he would. Be quiet about the boat. He went and got it. He was talking it up. He was going to the lake. He, he was taking off a whole week. Got that boat. He went off, and we were glad he was gone. He came back, and we were all kind of dreading coming back. But when he came back, he didn't say a word about that boat. Then we all got to wondering, what happened to the boat? Did it sink? What happened to it? So somebody at lunchtime said, hey, How'd the boat do? Oh, it did fine. That was it. It did fine. Well, they kept prying. What happened? What happened? Why? You were all excited about the boat. Why are you not excited now? You know why he wasn't excited anymore? Somebody had a bigger one. Had a faster one. Now he's not content with what he had. He, 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 he went in debt. I mean, he was drowning in debt to buy that boat. And now you know what he's trying to figure out how to do? Trade it in and get a bigger one. <laughs> that's coveting. Look, that's not being content. Don't think we, don't, we, we won't fall. That, don't think that we're not capable of falling into that trap. Because we are. We are very capable of falling into that trap. Be careful, be, be, my words tonight, be careful of covetousness, a sin of the heart. Be happy for those that have gotten those new things, those nice things. Be happy for them. Be happy for what the Lord's given you. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way of salvation. He's it. There's no other way. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll save you. As the 